Hello and welcome to the Beyond Biotech podcast number 54. I'm Jim Cornell from the Biotech and I've been busy trying to think of something that happened this week that wasn't either mundane or weather related. And as I really didn't do anything because of the rain, that means I'm reduced to details about today, which is July the 14th. It's a holiday in France and it's also, for some reason, National Tape Measure Day. Those things that you need twice a year and have absolutely no idea where you left them. I'm sure there are people who use tape measures much more frequently, but for me, it's not that often. And also, I guess I'm not very organized, otherwise I would just put them in the same place and remember where they are. It's also Shark Awareness Day today. I assume that that's the ocean creatures and not the people that try and scam you. Anyway, this week we have an interesting subject on the podcast. We are chatting with Matthias Shire, CEO of Tolerogenics, about some great results for its cell therapy treatment of transplant patients. So more on that in a little while. That means it's now time for the news you may have missed over at lebiotech.eu. We had a special newsletter on mRNA technology that included five innovations to take RNA vaccines to the next level, mRNA for transformative medicine, ready-to-use enzymatically produced cell-free synthetic DNA for mRNA manufacturing, inhaled mRNA medicines, and quite a few more. We had an article on five advances in lung cancer research, an existing cancer drug could be repurposed to fight certain aggressive cancers, and NKIO was awarded a £1.6 million grant to develop natural killer cell therapy. Nodthera is the first company to show a reduction in neuroinflammation with an inflammasome inhibitor. Immune memory research could lead to the next generation of epigenetic drugs. And there was an article on AIS Biotech, a startup using carbohydrates to fight the flu. Crossbow Therapeutics launched with $80 million to target cancer. Pfizer invested $25 million in Cellcentric. And ADC Therapeutics paused a clinical trial following patient deaths. We had an article on Medicon Valley in Denmark and Sweden. A new venture capital company, BioVance Capital Partners, was launched. And French gene therapy company EG427 raised 18 million euros. A partnership has been formed to progress neurodegenerative disorder treatments. TME Pharma provided some positive glioblastoma trial results. Caliditas announced encouraging results from its head and neck cancer trial, and BioGeneration Ventures closed its BGV Fund 5 at 150 million euros. We had an article on financing, another on how AI has discovered an existing drug works to cure a rare disease, and you can read all of these and more at lebiotech.eu. And that means we're into today's interview on solving issues related to the rejection of organs after transplants. To tell us about those issues and what Tolerogenics is doing in the field using cell therapy to hopefully make this a thing of the past is Matthias Shire, CEO of Tolerogenics. 
I guess the easy first question then is if you could tell me, give me a bit of background on the company. Yeah, we we found the company in 2016. It's a spin-off of Heidelberg University. We are uh, three founders from an academic background. My name is Matthias Scheier. I'm the CEO of Tolerogenics and I have worked in the field of tolerance induction since 20 years roundabout. My co-founder, Christian Morat, I know Christian from our doctor thesis, started in 1998. We worked in the same lab and then we, we collaborate uh, since the doctor thesis now, now for many years together. And uh, Christian is our CSO. Uh, Christian Morat is um, expert in the field of transplantation and uh, his scientific, scientific um, background is focused on this area. And Anita Schmidt, uh, she is our uh, CTO, our chief technology officer. She has a lot of experience in the field of manufacturing of ATMP cell therapies and bringing such um, new cell therapies from a basic science lab to a GMP core facility with all the approvals and uh, so on. And then we we start uh, first with a grant from the German government. This was our first um, money for developing this new approach. And then um, with this money, we made the technology transfer we planned the phase one study and then we start and uh, do the phase one study. And uh, at the end, we had a seed investor, the high-tech Rinderfor from Bonn. And after follow-up of the study, uh, the Toll One study, um, we worked in the field of disease donor as an other approach for our cell uh, therapy, you know, at the moment in the study, we work with living donor transplantation, but it's uh, possible to transfer the, this technology to disease donors too. And uh, this is another possibility for our um, approach. And beside the transplant area, we have a lot of potential in the autoimmune area. In the autoimmune area, we have done so far preclinical studies for multiple sclerosis and systemic lupus erythematosus. As far as the transplantation goes, could you tell me about some of the issues and the challenges with addressing that? Um, challenges, um, yeah, our uh, first challenge was to get approval for um, clinical studies, but we have already in place um, very easy manufacturing and very safe manufacturing process. And therefore, this high hurdle was not too high for us to manage it. The next um, larger step was to, to do the phase one trial, the, the first uh, study in humans 
Yeah, but this was not so hard to find patients because it's for donors and recipients, it's not a big issue to do this uh, cell therapy. For example, for the donor, it's only an unstimulated leukophoresis with small needles in the arms. It needs around about three or four hours. And uh, we uh, collect the white blood cells and then the white blood cells goes in the clean room and on the same day it's only a half a day procedure the recipient gets the uh, modified donor cells and for the recipient it's not an hard stuff too because the recipient receive only the cells without any co-medication and so far we see no uh, side effects uh, in the recipients or in the donors and therefore, it was not a big challenge to find patients uh, which want to participate to the study. The, the harder problem um, was to find funding because this indication is not so in the scope of big pharma and big uh, venture capital firms. And therefore, we need a little bit time to find uh, investors uh, which are interested in this field of medicine. Right. And the treatment that you give to people, is that just once or do they need to have repeat treatments? It's only one treatment uh, in the field of transplantation. It's uh, one single uh, infusion with modified donor cells. In the field of autoimmune diseases, so far, oh, it's difficult to test this or to examine this with animal studies. And therefore, we we have to wait since we have clinical data. In the autoimmune field, it could be that you need repeat infusions. For example, after two or three years, you have to repeat the infusion. But in the field of transplantation, we have now more than five years of follow-up data. And we see that uh, all the parameters are in place. The patients have excellent graft functions, no signs of any rejections, and no donor-specific antibodies. Um, normally, um, we, we you see this in our um, recently published five-year follow-up data that normally around about 20 or 30% of the recipients develop donor-specific antibodies. And in the end, these donor-specific antibodies um, end in a humoral rejection and in a graft loss uh, at the end. And our patients treated with the mixal, we have no signs of donor-specific antibodies. And this is very remarkable, I will say, because... Uh, we um, treat the patients with 10 of the power of 10 foregen cells with foregen antigens, and we see no donor-specific antibodies or no antibody reaction. This shows us that this is a completely new mode of action, which works in a totally other way. Before your treatment came along, what were the treatments before that? Yeah, um, so far the common gold standard is a multi-track-based uh, immunosuppressive therapy, which includes a calcineurin inhibitor like tacrolimus or cyclosporin and mycophenolic acid product. 
and steroids and in the beginning an induction therapy with ATG or with, or with an or with a product like Simulex and IL-10 inhibitor. Are there other companies working on other ways to treat rejection? Yes, there are. Uh, there was in place um, one of, or there is in place one of our main competitor, Talaris. I think you know Talaris. Uh, it's a stock listed company from US. Their approach is to combine the bone marrow and the kidney transplantation. That means the donor donates um, some kind of bone marrow cells and then you transfer a new immune system. That means at the end you replace the immune system. But uh, so far they have stopped their uh, freedom trial because of side effects and stopped their uh, transplant program beside, uh, because of side effects and because uh, this uh, for the recipient uh, that means uh, at the beginning uh, severe immune suppressive therapy uh, chemotherapy and radiation with a lot of uh, risks at the end and uh, in the phase two study there uh, was some uh, severe side effects and now in the uh, first uh, in the phase three study two and therefore they stopped their trial in spring this year uh, this was a um, main competitor and uh, was the competitor with the best uh, funding so far and then there are some other approaches to induce and personalized uh, immune modulation or to induce tolerance for example there is Quelt Therapeutics uh, with uh, the CAR-T-REC approach, but um, they have, so far I know, not uh, this clinical um, data. They have animal data and in vitro data so far, and um, they cannot uh, treat all patients which... Um, wait for an, for a kidney they need a specific signature in HLA antigens so fine these are the two main competitors at the moment I think so obviously not giving any secrets away you mentioned that you take white blood cells from donors how does that work when it goes into the body of the recipient yeah how does it work um, all cells within core, have the HLA antigens on the surface. And the white blood cells are very easy to get. And uh, they come uh, after we we um, take them out with the leukophoresis. And then the uh, next few hours, you have you see no changes in the blood results. And it's very easy to come to this HLA uh, immunological finger print barcode with this tool, the white blood cells. And then we change on the white cell, blood cells with our technology, the co-stimulatory molecules from an aggressive phenotype to a tolerance-inducing phenotype. We change the flags on the white blood cells. That means at the end, we can rise up white flags. And then we infuse 
this modified donor cells with the HLA barcode and the white flag to the recipient. And then this white blood cells goes into the spleen. The spleen recycle the white blood cells of the donor. And then structures of these uh, mixed cells comes in contact with immature immune cells of the recipients. And then this immature um, dendritic cells, for example, develop to tolerogenic dendritic cells. And then the end, we find very high levels of regulatory B cells. In our patients, we find 65-fold higher levels in regard to the BRACs in comparison to the normal control patients, transplanted patients. Either we can induce with our mixed cells specific regulatory B cells in, in a very, very high level. Is this something that is easy and cost-effective and can be scaled up? Yes, absolutely. Because um, you uh, have a massive cost reduction in the uh, traditional multi-drug therapy at the end. You have a cost reduction of around about 80% uh, of the standard uh, treatment maintenance therapy. And this means our... Um, Therapy is at the end cost effective and it's cost saving for the payer. And this uh, only in regard to um, reduction of infections, uh, reduction of rejections. And um, now with the phase 2B study, I think we get better database because uh, our last pharmacoeconomic uh, results uh, we're based on the results of a phase 1B study. I think with the phase 2B study, we can um, yeah, show better the benefits of the mix therapy in regard to quality of life too, in regard to hospitalization. So far, the patients with the classical multi-track therapy two or three times per year in the hospital because of infections. And with our only so far three to 10 patients in the phase 1B trial, we could demonstrate that we have lower rates of opportunistic infections in contrast to the control group. That means now with Reduction in maintenance, immune suppressive therapy, you see that the patients have fewer infection rates uh, in regard to CMV virus, polyoma virus, severe pneumonia, and so on. And uh, I think uh, with the now ongoing phase B study, we could demonstrate these benefits and could confirm the benefits of our MIG approach. Do you have the opportunity or do you get to hear from patients that have undergone this therapy? Because they must obviously be delighted to not have any of these issues. Yeah, I'm, um, as the sponsor, I have not direct contact to the individual patients, uh, but um 
I know from the study sites that uh, the patients uh, which are included in the studies are um, in a very good conditions. And so far, we have no severe side effects reported. But um, I'm unfortunately not the direct contact to the patients. <laughs> but I, th I think if you have no steroids in your treatment, if you have no mycophenolic acid in your treatment, uh, then uh, you will feel uh, a benefit because uh, this immune suppressive drugs, they have side effects. And uh, therefore, um, now in the B arm of our studies, the patient has only one drug uh, in the maintenance, in the maintenance therapy in comparison to three drugs in the uh, immune suppressive drugs in the maintenance therapy. And I think they um, make a difference for the patients. And you said also that it's not just in transplantation patients that this has applications. What, what are the other applications that this could potentially be used for? At the moment, we are only in the transplant area in humans. Um, and uh, now we make a pre-treatment in uh, transplantation. That means one week before transplantation, the recipient received the mix cell from the donor. But uh, we see potential to treat already transplanted patients later on. For example, if they have um, severe rejections, we have done so far two individual treatments in patients with rejections, one with a cellular and one with a humoral rejection, and uh, this works very good too. That means at the end, we see potential uh, for patients already transplanted to treat them with modified cells from the donor or with similar white blood cells from a donor bank. And we see potential in the field of autoimmune diseases too, uh, in the field of MS or SLE. But so far uh, in this area, we have only animal data. Where do you go from here, I guess? At what point does this become something that's just routine? Yeah, I think... Um, we think that we uh, have a good chance for conditional approval after the phase 2b study because it's in an orphan disease because it's an ATP therapy and then it, we could aim for an approval in the year 2026 or 2027 roundabout and then it come with uh, good luck and so on then uh, it's available for patients. And are, are you pursuing that in different geographies? Yeah. Um, so far, uh, the study runs in Germany, um, but the next step were, would be um, to bring the therapy to the uh, first to the Eurotransplant region and then to all of Europe and then to the US and then to Asia step by step. So far, our MIG therapy at the end is approved uh, for 24 hours transportation. Uh, that means after manufacturing process, we have 24 hours to bring the cells back to the hospital where the patient is. But we know from um, our in vitro data that the stability is, 
is longer, it's around about two days, but with 24 hours with modern logistic, uh, you need not so many hubs. That means one, for example, one manufacturing site for Europe um, is uh, sufficient to bring the cells to all of Europe. Another hub in US uh, makes sense and one hub in Asia. But um, if the studies comes to an, a good end, what we believe, then uh, we will start, for example, next year to to prepare all the things for market entry and uh, to do a technology transfer to manufacturing partners and so on to have in, enough capacity to bring the cell to all the regions uh, in the world where it uh, where the patient needed. Are there any other uh, things in the pipeline of the company or is it really this that you're just concentrating on? At the moment, we are concentrated on the phase 2B study for living donor kidney transplantation. And then in parallel, we work for preparate uh, for starting a um, trial in autoimmune diseases uh, with a focus on SLE. Uh, we... Uh, have done some animal models uh, so far and some in vitro studies. And now we uh, want to go to human blood samples and to make some final experiments with uh, bloods from SLE patients and uh, to have the whole package uh, ready for scientific advice with the authorities and for uh, preparing a protocol for the next clinical study, then for SMB patients. You you mentioned obviously this is working for um, kidney transplants. Does would it have the same positive effect for other organ transplants or for things like graft versus host disease? Yeah, well, we know from our animal studies. In the, in the animals, we have tested uh, different uh, models for transplantation, um, liver in pigs, heart in rats, hind limb in rats, and now skin transplantation in mice, and it's, it works in other fields of transplantation too. Uh, kidney is... Uh, very challenging in regard of immunology. That means at the end, if it works in kidney, then it works in the other solid organs too. Liver, for example, is the easiest uh, one. And if it works in, in kidney and kidney is the biggest market in the field of uh, solid organ transplantation and uh, then liver and if it works in kidney then it will works in liver and so on too hopefully good news there for the future of organ transplantation so thanks a lot for joining us for this week's podcast and i hope wherever in the world you are you have a great week ahead take care And you'll join us next week for another Beyond Biotech.